James chapter number 4. We're going to start in verse 7 and go through verse number 10. The Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to come here and to preach tonight, Father. Lord, we pray uh, that you would be with our pastor and his wife tonight, Father, that uh, you would be with Leah as she uh, goes through with the labor process, Lord, and the delivery, that uh, both her health and, and the baby's health and, and, and Toby as well, Father, during this, that you would watch over them and give them strength, Father. I pray that tonight that you would open hearts, that you would open minds, that you would give me the ability to speak whatever it is you would have me to speak, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so in James chapter number 4, we have these verses, verse 7 through 11, what we're talking about. And and what I want to look at real quick is this verse. Look back at verse number 8. It says, Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. I think that we can all agree that we want a closeness with God. We want to draw closer to God. We want God to draw closer to us. And I know that on a regular basis that we need to see more revival in our hearts as well as revival in our country and in our homes. So I want to preach on this tonight, preparing for revival. I think we can agree that America is in desperate need of revival tonight. Wouldn't you say that? Uh, You can turn on the television. uh, You can see men kissing men and women kissing women. Uh, You read the newspapers and you can hear about uh, babies being murdered through abortion. You see uh, drugs being legalized. You see uh, alcoholics on the streets. America is, is in desperate need of real Bible Revival. It's not just America. We can go uh, closer to home and we can talk about uh, the Tennessee community or East Tennessee community. uh, And we can look just recently at how uh, you see the Ten Commandments taken out of uh, the courthouse and out of the schools. And and you see that people can't uh, preach the word of God in schools or share the word of God in schools anymore. We know that that even our, our region is in need of revival. Uh, Just last year, I was in the Roan County Courthouse working and I was in the attic. And there was a a set of boxes, and right there in the boxes were three frames with three Bible verses on them. Uh, Some of them were mentioning the Ten Commandments. One of them was mentioning salvation through the blood of Christ. But I can't help but think how how sorry it is of our country and of our community uh, to have moved in such a way that we've gotten so far from God. Uh, Not just our country, our community. um, This might be strong medicine and hit close to home, but I say our church really needs good revival. Now, I know this is the Wednesday night crowd, and I, I don't mean to harp, uh, but I have to give what the Lord wants me to give. I, I think that it's, it's oftentimes that we get our focus off of where it should be, which is dead center on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our church needs revival. Uh, our homes need revival. But America, our community, our, our church, our homes, none of that can have revival unless we have personal revival within our own hearts. It starts with us. It starts personally. So I'm going to go over just a few points tonight focusing on a personal revival in our own hearts. The first thing is we must be consecrated to God. Look at verse number 7 and 8 again with me. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Look at verse 8. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. We must be, first of all, privately, privately submitted to God's will. Now, what do you mean by that? This is what I mean. When we submit ourselves, it is something that is between us 
and God. God has a specific will for Carrie Beetle. Right now it's to be here preaching at Walridge. He has a specific will for each and every one of us. And oftentimes I'll tell the young people, if you've got a heart beating and your lungs are taking in air right now, God has a purpose for you. If there's anything that's uh, joyous or should be exciting to some of you folks that are in, in older age, it's that the heart's still beating, the lungs are still taking in air. God still has a purpose for you. Uh, you guys are familiar, m most of you are, uh, with George Mueller, a, a man that years and years and years ago had an orphanage. Uh, and he, if you you read his biography, you'll see that his greatest desire in his life was to go into the mission field. It was to serve God traveling and preaching the word of God so that he may see souls saved. But God kept him in one place for such a long period of time. And while he was there, he had an orphanage and he saw many souls saved in that period of time. But it wasn't until he was in his older age that the Lord allowed him to go into, the, into uh, the mission field and do missionary work. So age is not a factor. Uh, whether we're young, whether we're middle-aged, whether we're golden-aged, we'll be careful with our terms, uh, we all still have a purpose. We all still need revival, and we all still have a specific will for each of our lives that we must seek with the Lord. We have to be privately submitted, but second, we have to be publicly submitted. We, we need to find what God's will is for our life, but besides that, we also need to make sure that the world around us knows that we are submitted to a holy God. You know why the world uh, looks down on Christianity as in, uh, as in we're radical or uh, we're just a bunch of crazy loons or, or they don't see any change? It's because they don't see Christians in this day and age really living Bible Christianity. It, it, the reality of it is, and listen closely, Christians today are not familiar with what this says anymore. I heard on the news just last night, some of y'all I'm sure saw it, about a lady that had been up at Big South Fork and she was riding her horse and the horse jumped up and she fell back and hit her head and was in a coma. And while she was in coma, she got to travel through heaven and, and see heaven and share heaven with everybody. The lady has not read her Bible. We, we, ha we have people that, that they know God, and I don't doubt that many of them truly know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But if we want real revival, real revival to see, uh, to see the drunkards and the harlots and, and, and our family members that are lost, if we want to see a real change in them, it starts personally with us, and we must know what the Word of God says. We have to be familiar with God's Word. We have to submit ourselves privately. We need to let this world uh, know that we're uh, separated unto the Lord. But third, we have to be purposefully submitted. Listen to what Proverbs says, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says, If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. If we know what God's will is for our life, and we're, and we're seeking to live uh, what the Lord wants us to, and we separate ourselves from the rest of the world, it takes a daily effort, a daily effort to see what the Lord wants us to do each and every day. Day after day after day after day. It's my purpose, and I hope that it is yours, and, and this in no way lifts me up, but it's just what the Lord has uh, had me to do in my own life. When I, when I wake up and my feet hit the floor, I want it to be with purpose for the Lord. 
Now, I've got a good job, and I appreciate my job. Uh, I've got good family, and I love my family. But my focus every single day needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ and His will in my life for me. The world needs to see me, and they need to say, that's a Christian man. That's somebody that loves the Lord. That's somebody that if I have a need or if I have a question or if I, if I feel lost to myself and know somebody and need somebody that knows the answers, I can go to that man and I can talk to that man. That, that really still happens. People really still can see a change in our lives and come up and talk to us. I, I, wish that, I wish that the church people were not, and I'm not just talking about Walridge, I'm talking about myself, and I'm talking about Christians in general. I wish that we were not so afraid to share Jesus Christ with others. I mean, my goodness, the Lord has saved us from an eternal hell. He's taken somebody such as myself that's nothing. I've I've lived with myself long enough uh, long enough to know I'm not too special. Uh, I've got plenty of things in, in areas that I fail, just like we all do. But ultimately, God Himself, robed in the flesh, died on Calvary that I may have a relationship, be restored unto Him. That's something to be excited about, and that's something worth sharing. Why are we not sharing the Word of God? Why are we not sharing what God has done in our own life? It's because we need revival. We've gotten cold. We've gotten calloused. We've just sat down, we've stopped focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's many things that come up uh, in our lives. Uh, I was just telling some folks uh, when I first walked in, uh, we're having AC problems at the house. Uh, on top of that, there's all kinds of work studies I have to be doing, and I'm not, I'm not going on about my own problems because what I'm getting at is we've all got them. There's things that distract us. There's things that get in the way. But what we have to understand is that's a part of life. If we, if we, know, if we know God uh, through His Son, Jesus Christ, if we are a true child of God, and we, and we, and we see uh, God work in our lives and we know His desire for our lives, then we ought to know at the very least that He's going to take care of us, that He's going to provide for us. Our focus needs to stop being on the things around us, and it needs to be on the Lord. It needs to be on Jesus Christ. We need to seek for Him as you seek for silver. Now, many of us have seen uh, movies or read stories or even just read history of people that, uh, in great searches of treasure. They didn't sit around and just hope that it came floating by. We can't just sit in a pew on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night and hope the perfect will of God just comes floating by and everything just works out good and fine in our lives. We have to seek after the Lord Jesus Christ regularly. Go out and try to find Him. One, we must be consecrated to God. But second, we have to consider our Christian testimony. Look with me at verse 8. Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We must consider our Christian testimony with this. Number one, it's a declaration to the world. A testimony is you declaring that you are a child of God. When I go out and I work, or I'm out in public, uh, or I'm with my friends or with family, I have the option or the opportunity um, to speak in a way and to act in a way that either declares that I am a child of God or that I'm not a child of God. If I want revival, true revival in my heart, I must be focused on what the outside world is looking at and seeing when they talk to me. Uh, I've used it before with my, with my young people. 
If I get up and I preach to them the Bible uh, and I tell them the truths of God's word uh, and then I go out and I and I get drunk or I go to a bar or something like that, they're going to look at me and they're going to say something doesn't add up here. I I don't really uh, I don't really see the truth in what he's saying. He's preaching one thing and doing another. We're familiar with that. But the reality of it is, every time we make any action before another person, we're making some form of a declaration. And what our declaration should be before the entire world is that I am a child of God, standing on the true word of God, I stand by God, and I stand for God. And in all things, I'm going uh, to love the Lord, I'm going to uh, have other people be able to uh, come to me, to talk to me, to learn from me. Uh, I'm going to have a testimony that declares... Jesus Christ. We also have to have a declaration towards the Lord. Now, when we say testimony, as a matter of fact, uh, usually when we share a testimony, most of the time we're talking about our salvation experience, uh, and it's a public thing that we're sharing. But we're declaring to the world, but at the same time, we're declaring to God our position before Him. Uh, Let me explain myself. Uh, I can get up here and preach, uh, and I can come to church. And I told y'all, those are outward things. Those are are outside things. Uh, Those are things that you see and you assume that my position with the Lord is what it should be because I'm I'm where I should be. But God is able to look into the depths of my heart. God Himself is able to see, am I really where I should be with Him? Is my prayer life really what it should be? Is my is my Bible study really what it should be? Is is my witnessing to others really what it should be? What what does my testimony declare to God? Not not just what does it declare to the world, but what does it declare to the Lord, what does it show to Him? We have to think in our own minds and, and wonder ourselves. You know, verse number 8, it says, to cleanse your hands and to purify your hearts. Well, the cleansing of the hands, that's the outward thing. That's what the world sees. That, that's the removing of sin from our lives that we may have that other people see in our, in our lives. But the purifying of the heart, that's the inward part. That's what God sees. We can have everything right on the outside, but if we don't have anything right on the inside, it's doing no good. Now, I know that that's a basic principle of Christianity, but I'm afraid that uh, the vast majority of of our churches have forgotten that because we're in the position that we're in now. If people had not forgotten that, we would still be having uh, uh, numbers and multitudes of lives changed right before our eyes. Do you guys, and, and please interact with me here a second. Y'all can shake your head. Do we really still believe that this works? Do we really still believe that the Lord can take somebody that has ruined their lives, that are in the depths of misery, that have done nothing but to hurt themselves and to hurt others and have no hope and see no future? Do we really believe that the Lord can take somebody and save them and change their life? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we have to make sure that we're where we should be with the Lord as far as sin is concerned, having that moved out of our lives, that we may be used of God, that we can be the clean vessel. Hey, nobody wants to go and open the cupboard and take out a nasty cup to drink out of. Nobody wants a dirty vessel to use. The Lord isn't going to use us if we've got sin in our lives that maybe nobody else sees but He sees. But if we remove the sin, if we purify our hearts, God sees cleanliness within us. He doesn't see perfect. But he sees cleanliness within us. And he's willing to use us that others may see Christ in us. Third, 
We must be consecrated to God. We must consider our Christian testimony. But we need to be content in discomfort. Look at verse number 9. The Bible says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. One, we must endure sorrow. It says, Be afflicted, mourn, and weep. I was saved when I was 13 years old. And I had lived no life of crime before that. Uh, I hadn't been uh, into anything that you, you hear these grand testimonies, uh, and, and those are wonderful. But I was a boy. I was a 13-year-old boy when I got saved. Um, and it was the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not, not emotion, not somebody just talking me through it, but the Holy Spirit of God convicted me, showed me that I was lost, and I prayed and asked God to save me. And my life was changed at that morning, at that moment. And as, as life has gone on, you know what the number one thing that I've learned? Living as a Christian is not always easy. Uh, absolutely, it is not always easy. Uh, my focus is to live for the Lord, but I find that at every turn that I live for the Lord, the Satan is right there. The Satan is either doing something to distract me, that he's doing something to tempt me, that he's doing something to hurt me, in some form or fashion. And right when I feel like I've got him out of the way, Charles Spurgeon used to say, right when you think that the devil has gone and you put the fire out, be, be aware he's just going to get more wood so he can start an even bigger fire. Uh, that's the reality of Satan. And if we're to live the kind of life that God requires uh, out of His children to be used, uh, a life that is revived on a regular basis, we have to we have to accept that there's a lot of discomfort in life. Uh, it seems like the revolving thing here at Walridge is uh, is health issues, um, and, and it's been uh, wonderful to see God answer many prayers regarding those things. Uh, and, and not just the health issues, but we have many family members that are uh, in pain or that are uh, maybe struggling financially or maybe lost. We have many, many, many needs. But if we're to serve the Lord and keep our focus on, on Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to just accept that there's some things that are going on in our life and just let the Lord deal with them. We're going to have to just be willing uh, to be afflicted and to mourn and weep. Now, let, let me let me also go a little bit deeper. I don't think when this uh, when this was written that it was just referring to going through a couple of difficulties with some uh, appliances going bad or things like that. Uh, if we look at a little bit deeper of the be afflicted and mourn and weep, let's think about what it's really really getting down into. What about something that we may face here in our country here before uh, too long? Persecution. Yeah. I think we would all agree we've got a good pastor. Uh, y'all know y'all know my relationship with him. He's like my brother, uh, and I do love him to death. But our pastor could one day be put in prison for not marrying two men or marrying two women. Uh, they could uh, very easily, and they've talked about it, uh, take the, uh, the hate crime laws, and they could rewrite them and add to them, and they could uh, say that we no longer have freedom of speech, or they twist it some way. We know the politicians always do. And they would somehow wedge in there some way that uh, you no longer can preach all of the truth, the full truth, without there being some kind of punishment. Are we really willing as Christians, I mean really willing, to suffer real persecution that we've seen in times past? I can tell you, uh, and it's a difficult thing to get into, but uh, I, I've got a, a little boy, I've got a little girl on the way, uh, it is my desire with all of my heart to serve the Lord to the best of my abilities in all things but the thought of, of uh, losing them or losing my wife due to some form of persecution is terrifying but, but let me be very straightforward 
There's been many people in generations past that's had to deal with it. Yeah. There's been many people, but for the sake of Christ and for the cause of Christ that others may be saved, they've been willing to say, God, I don't understand it. I don't, I, I don't see why this is your will for my life and for me to be separated from my family, but I'm willing to go. If we're going to see God really do things within us, we have to have that mentality between us and God. We have to, hey, when I answer God's call to preach, Lord knows I put it off for a couple of years. I didn't, I was scared to death to do it. I still get scared to death to do it. Uh, but when I answered God's call to preach, it wasn't just to God, I'm going to preach, but it's, it's only going to be on Wednesday nights, and uh, I'm just going to do, you know what, it's only got to be on things that I enjoy preaching. And No, when I, when I answered God's call to preach, I fully submitted myself and gave myself over to what God wanted me to do. If that meant going to the mission field where uh, we have many missionaries over in Iraq and Afghanistan and Egypt and places that they could uh, face uh, the potential of being murdered, it meant I would do that. If it meant that I uh, be a youth pastor at Walrus Baptist Church, it meant that I'd do that. If it meant that I travel the country and be an evangelist or be a pastor somewhere else, it meant that I would do that. Listen, what I'm getting at is the Christian life is not just uh, saying, God, Give me the contract. Go ahead and write it out. Let me read it. If I agree with it, I'll sign at the bottom and say, God, give me the blank piece of paper. Let me sign my name at the bottom and you fill in the rest and I'll do whatever you put there. I'll do whatever you'll have me to do. I'll follow you to the end, even at the end, be death. You know, John R. Rice used to say they never burnt a casual Christian at the stake. You know that? They never took somebody and just kind of sat around and, I love the Lord, oh, I kind of know my Bible a little bit, and took them and burned them at the stake. They were taking real men and women that really loved God and was really willing to give their own life for the sake of Jesus Christ. We've lost our focus. We've lost what we've been, uh, what we've been commanded to look at. Well, our obligation, uh, our love, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be sharing that with others, that others may be saved, that others may be able to uh, see change in their own life and change in their family's life. We're not just to endure the sorrow, but we're to increase our burden. It says, our laughter be turned uh, to mourning and our joy to heaviness. We need a bigger burden. You know, we, we need to pray and ask God to make hell very real to us. We need to pray and ask God uh, that when we pass, uh, pass people on the streets and drive past people, that we consider, well, where, what is their stance eternally? You know, when I drive down the road, especially when I first uh, got back into church like I should be and, and answered my call to preach, uh, I started driving down the road, and every time I passed cars on the interstate, I would think uh, the, the majority of these people are probably going to die and go to hell. The majority of these people probably do not personally know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And who's there to tell them? Not just the preacher, or this preacher, or the pastor, but Walridge. The, church, the, the children of God, the church community, you know, revival, like I said, it's not going to start by just some, uh, some group. It's got to start initially within us, individually. We have to be consecrated to God completely. We have to consider our Christian testimony. We have to be content in discomfort. And lastly, we must be compelled to humility. Read with me verse number 10. The Bible says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. I think that every one of us, if we were very honest with ourselves, would say uh, that oftentimes we find ourselves battling in some form pride. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. I pulled just a few things out of the book of Proverbs. As a matter of fact, let's look at here in James in, in verse 6. 
The Bible says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. God resisteth the proud. Look with me in Proverbs. Well, you don't have to look. You're welcome to. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride cometh. Now listen. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 13.10 says, only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. We have shame, contention, destruction, the resistance of God. I don't know if I make it any clearer. God does not like pride. We get too focused on our own desires. We get too focused on what we want to do after church or the things we'd rather do than being in church. Or not just that, because, again, the Wednesday night crap. But we get too focused on the things that we'd rather do than read our Bible, study our Bible. I mean, let's just be honest, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, I I can do much more Bible study than I do. Our prayer life. I mean, uh, I, I heard somebody preaching recently, prayer, what a great privilege to be able to talk to Almighty God, Creator of the universe. The greatest privilege that there is as far as uh, being able to converse. Uh, You think about the President. You think about people all over the world. How many people would love to be able to speak uh, with people of high authority. But we speak with the authority. We have the the direct connection. We can, uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, speak to God. Talk to God. Yet, so often times, we treat it like it's just anything else. Well, if I get around to it, I'll pray some. If I get around to it, I'll pray for my lost family members. If I get around to it, I'll pray that God will strengthen me and help me through this trial and that I'll not be so proud that I try to get through it on my own. Pride, that it will destroy us. We have, to, we have to remove ourselves completely and place Christ in His position, the throne of our hearts. We have to reveal what pride is. Secondly, we've got to remove pride. First Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. We all deal with pride. That's reality of our flesh. But if we're going to remove pride, then we have to do what Peter says. We have to be humble before God. We have to go before God. We need to confess before God, Lord, I have struggles here. I've let other things get before you. Forgive me. Remove those things. Let me place you back where you belong. And it says that the Lord will lift us up in due time. What great power our God has! Yet we treat it like uh, we treat it like it, it, that there is no power. I mean, that, that's the reality of it. We we treat Almighty God, who can give us everything, who is able to provide, able to answer prayer, able to save uh, the most wicked of our lost family members, and we treat it like it's like it's nothing. We treat it like it's not worth our time. Pride. This has to be removed. But we reveal the pride, we remove the pride, and then lastly we do this. We need to resist Satan. Like I said towards the beginning, it seems like living living the Christian life, Satan's always there to throw something at But the more that we avoid Satan's snare, Christ draws himself closer to us. Now it doesn't mean that if we sin that the Lord's not going to have anything to do with us, but if our focus is no longer us and our desires and our wants and our will, but it becomes Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And we focus on what Christ has for us. And we fight against Satan and the things that he would use to destroy us and to hurt us. God honors that faithfulness. Hey, let me tell you, 
I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But I've been uh, at times faithful to God and seen Him work uh, miracles in my own life. I don't use that word lightly. I've seen God do miraculous things, wonderful things in my life. So I encourage you tonight, and I'll close with this. God can still bring revival. God is still just as powerful as He's always been. God, the Lord is unchanging. He's just as able. He hasn't changed. We've changed. So, are you you cold and callous tonight? Again, Wednesday night crowd, but we're still people. We're still human. Are you cold? Are you callous? Have you gotten out of your Bible study, out of your prayer life, out of where you should be? Do you need to get back where you, where you ought to be? Ask the Lord to help you so that He can bring revival in your heart? If so, you can come up here and you can pray. Miss Melissa, if you'll come up, prepare something. That's a play for, play for us. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes.